I can't hear the goat emoji and I can't hear the you suck. I'm an athlete on the court. You know, you can speak to this. Like, it's just, you can't even help it. I do this in pickup basketball, let alone being a professional. Like, you're just zoned in. It's, you know, you would have not been able to do what you did in your life if you were going to worry about every single comment coming from the crowd when you were on the court. That's how I'm trying to teach people to live life. If somebody takes time to go on your Instagram and say you're stupid or ugly or you don't know what you're talking about, think about how bad their life is. Don't think about how bad your life is. Hey, everybody. This is Michael Red, and welcome to the Betting on Yourself podcast, where I interview successful entrepreneurs, athletes, and other top performers who rose to the top, took success into their own hands, and bet on themselves. It takes a special kind of courage to better yourself when no one else thinks that you are capable of being more than a a garbage man. And Gary Vaynerchuk is a special kind of person. Growing up with very little foster within Gary, a deep drive to succeed. The ultimate success with Gary means being the greatest entrepreneur in the world. And in today's episode, he shares how he is using a combination of competitiveness, compassion, practical optimism, and a kind candor to get him there. Gary has been an entrepreneur since he was six years old, so he has close to a lifetime of wisdom to share. And if you've chosen to tune into this episode, you are in for a real treat. Get ready to be inspired by the man who needs no introduction, Gary V. Hey, everybody. We're going to just jump right in. This man needs no introduction, maybe to some of you, but he is certainly well known throughout the world for what he has done on all the media platforms. And more than anything, I'm more drawn to him because of his passion for people. And it's a tremendous honor and pleasure to have Gary V with us on the podcast today on Betting on Yourself. Gary, thank you for being a part of this today, man. Happy to be here. Thank you. Pleasure, man. Well, let's jump right in. I think you have a sense of the theme of the show and the show is all about betting on yourself. And I want to ask you, first of all, what has that ever meant to you as far as betting on yourself? You know, it's an interesting question because at a very young age, probably not even knowing that sentence existed, I kind of went there. And what I mean by that is I was a very poor student as an immigrant that didn't grow up with much, which was very unusual for immigrants from Eastern Europe coming to the U.S. in the late 70s and the early 80s. It was all about education. But by fourth grade, when I was like 10 or so, I just had a really strong self-realization that school was just not going to be important and not on some entitled, lazy, silly kind of like kid shit, but on some, man, why do I feel like I really know who I am? I love selling lemonade. I love working hard, shoveling snow. I like this baseball card thing. Like the word entrepreneur didn't exist, but by the time I was in sixth and seventh grade, 12, 13, like it was just very clear to me that I was going to be a quote unquote businessman. And I was willing to bet on myself, aka I had every teacher and every friend's parent tell me that I was going to end up being a garbage man. Mm. That was like the big thing in the 80s. You'll be a garbage man, which is super (laughs) disrespectful, but it was the sentence, right? And so I kind of, you know, it's interesting now I'm thinking about it a little deeper. Like I would argue that betting on myself is probably the thing I'm best at. Mm. You know, I am very well known and also equally misunderstood. I smiled when you said my passion for people. 
you've got a better read on me maybe than others, if that's what you're going to say about me. But what's really interesting is I'm always, quote unquote, betting on myself because my whole career has been around innovation. Most people didn't mm. think people would buy wine on the internet in 96 when I did and did that for my family's liquor store business. Most people thought Twitter and Facebook was a fad for kids. I put every dollar I had and invested in those companies long before they IPO'd. Most people felt that it was a waste of my time to make content for the internet. Most people felt that with the success I had at that point, starting an agency that was a client service business was a waste of time and wrong. NFTs, like there's mm. pretty much not much of my life that isn't been me doing something that conventional wisdom, history, and 95% of people's current opinions weren't completely against what I was up to. And at least up to this point, 46 years old, I end up being right. And I believe in my intuition. Here's a fun one. I'll make this very personal. I believed in my intuition that you and Scooney Penn were going to make a Final Four run, and I had you guys in the bracket. You like that? I love that. Wow. I knew you were going to. I was, you know, like, when I said yes to this, I said, wait till he finds out that I had them in the Final Four. Because... Because I was a really bad student, as I mentioned, and that led me down a path of going to Mount Ida College, which was in Newton, Massachusetts. Like, I mean, <laughs> it was a hood school. And one day I went outside to play ball and there was all this ruckus, like just more energy than normal. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, oh, this high school kid from Salem who's going to BC is doing work. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, Obviously, I wanted to give you some roses on that run, <laughs> but no joke, like a little bit of Scooney and watching how you were playing, like that was an intuitive decision Wow! Uh, filling out a bracket. I know it's a small thing, but I want everybody to hear this. Like it's kind of how I roll, right? right? Like I am more comfortable believing in my intuition than I am in believing in conventional wisdom. Wow. Because everyone is making decisions about tomorrow too literal about yesterday. Mm. You see what I'm saying, my man? Mm -hmm, I do. And for me, I'm using long history to make decisions about tomorrow. And I'll give you an example. It's easy for me to have confidence around NFTs right now, right? Sure. Right this second, as we record this, we're in a bear market. The market's got crushed. Correct. I made a hundred videos a year ago today saying 98% were going to zero. Why did I do that? Mm -hmm. I did that because I lived through internet stock when they all collapsed in 1999, 2000. And that was because everyone got ahead of themselves on greed around mm -hmm. this big technology called the internet. Mm -hmm. Now we have this big technology called the consumer blockchain, Web3, aka NFTs, and everyone got ahead of their skis. Greed takes over, human behavior takes over. But just because Bored Apes and V-Friends and World of Women are down in value doesn't change the underlining technology. Correct. And that's where people get confused. So I used history from 20 years ago to not only be right that NFTs were going to rise, but then have a subtle point of view that NFTs were going to crash and then have an unpopular opinion right this second that it's going to be the biggest thing in a decade or at least a very big part of our day-to-day -day life. Mm. I've seen this a lot. When the iPhone came out, Everybody in business said they would never give up their BlackBerry. Everybody. They won't admit it now, but I was there. And they weren't able to understand that it wasn't about the buttons on the BlackBerry, which is why everyone said they were going to keep it. 
It was that the iPhone had the internet and had apps and that right. was going to be more powerful technology and having Instagram on your phone or having Uber on your phone is dramatically more powerful than feeling the buttons on your phone. No question. I was one of those guys that was hanging on to the BlackBerry and everybody on the team was like, dude, you need to get an iPhone. And I, I eventually crossed over. <laughs> <laughs> but to your point about NFTs and blockchain, and do you see this as big as the internet or bigger? I think about what the internet did for communication, the blockchain will do for transactions. Got the it. fact that there'll be a decentralized affirmation ledger to if somebody owns something and then they can do something is a profound technology. But you know, I want to stay on course a little bit because the NFT thing's a good thing for another day for us. Yes. The point is I'm sitting right now in the bear of bear markets where most of it is teasing. Told you so. To see it was a fad, this and that. This is kind of what you have to do when you believe in yourself. If right. you believe in your, and this is why I've always loved athletes, which is why I know a lot about you. I always thought it was fascinating that athletes literally get booed at home. <laughs> <laughs> right? It happens. Like, listen, even the greatest, I mean, I am and was a huge Knicks fan of the 90s. I watched the Bulls win back-to-back NBA championships. And then in a regular season game in Christmas against the Knicks, the Knicks go on an 11-0 run and the whole stadium's booing them. <laughs> I'm like, these guys gave you fucking championships. What are you booing them for for an 11-0? Like, you know, an athlete is on the court. They've got tens of thousands of people in the building, millions more at home, critiquing every nanosecond of everything. And it's one of the few places where you literally get booed at home. So you're constantly being booed, but you have to still play. Like, That's right. you know this, I mean, you've had such a great career. Like, just because you guys came out of the locker room and the other team went on an 11-2 run to start the game and you called a timeout, it doesn't mean you can go home. That's right. And that's how I think about entrepreneurship and betting on yourself. Like now that I'm known, I get a lot of accolades. But like when I post something, I get 80 goat emojis and it feels great. But I get five, you're full of shit. Fuck you, you're wrong. You think mm. you're this, you're that. And for me, I can't hear the goat emoji and I can't hear the you suck. Right. I'm an athlete on the court. Right. You know, you That's can right. speak to this. Like, right. it's just, you can't even help it. I do this in pickup basketball, let alone being a professional. <laughs> like, you're just zoned in. It's, you know, you would have not been able to do what you did in your life if you were going to worry about every single comment coming from the crowd when you were on the court. That's how I'm trying to teach people to live life. If somebody takes time to go on your Instagram, and say you're stupid or ugly or you don't know what you're talking about. Think about how bad their life is. Don't right. think about how bad your life is. So good. And that's that's why I'm drawn to you, man, because of your tenacity towards life and the focus that you operate in is the focus I have and I had growing up. Our backgrounds are similar. Didn't have a whole lot. And that is what helped drive me. And I know it drove you, our mothers. You know, so we'll get to that in a minute. But like the biggest moment you bet on yourself. I know every day we bet on ourselves, but is there a moment that stands out among most? Mm, that's a good question. <sighs> There's a lot. I think, you know, what kind of threw me for a loop was where my head started spinning. When you asked it, I was like, man, it's all been there. Like, there's a lot. Like, that Facebook, Twitter thing was crazy. I never got paid a lot of money building a family business that I built for my parents and left with nothing, no ownership of the business. And didn't have a lot of money and I was 34 years old and I or 31 at the time, excuse me, 32 and worked my face off 15 hours a day, Monday through Saturday, 
like just really worked hard and decided that I would put all of my savings, which I didn't have a whole lot of, but I worked so hard for into Facebook and Twitter. I really bet that I was right. And obviously that was one of the profound financial transitions of my life. But I think the bigger one to answer your question was when I decided to do what I'm doing now, which is I am willing to deal with the judgment of the world, but I have to put myself out there to speak on things that I think a lot of people are not speaking on Mm -hmm. that look like me. Let's say that very slowly for everybody to understand what I'm about to say. (laughs) I think the biggest thing I ever decided was for my selfless emotional framework for the rest of my life, I am going to be willing to be misunderstood and take, you know, because when I'm all said and done and a billion people know who I am, it's going to mean that 10 million people are going to shit on me constantly. (laughs) Mm. And Mm. to have the stomach to have that, because when I say don't look like me, I'm a real weird enigma. I'm an entrepreneur, businessman, alpha competitive dog killer, (laughs) right? who wants to buy the New York Jets, who wants to be the greatest entrepreneur of all time that comes with a lot of stuff that people on the social left struggle with, money, this, that. I'm so empathetic. But then on the other side, I am the great champion communicator as an alpha male of kindness and compassion and empathy and patience and humility. I'm a contradiction. Mm-hmm. And so being that level of contradiction comes with a lot of baggage of people. (laughs) I always joke with my friends. I'm like, look at this post. And they're like, what? I'm like, look at the comments. They're like, what? I'm like, look at this. The last eight, you know, it's 250 comments, most positive. But I'm like, look at these 10 negative comments. Five of them are hardcore Republicans. Five of them are hardcore Democrats. (laughs) I'm like, you know, in one breath, I'm saying, don't give out fifth place trophies because we're eliminating merit and we're creating entitlement and we're leading to anxiety. That gets a certain group of people upset. I also say work ethic matters the most. That gets a certain people upset because I say work ethic and they hear burnout. Sure. And I'm like, I didn't say burnout. That's right. I didn't say bleed and make yourself <laughs> fucking emotionally unhappy all to get a Lamborghini. I said, if you want something phenomenal, please remember that hard work That's is right. part of the equation. That's right. Right. But then on the flip side, I'm like, there's never a time to be mean to somebody, which just baffles people. Mm. As if in business, you have to have sharp elbows and you need to shit on people. And I just don't see it that way. I call it in what you're creating as an empathy economy. Mm-hmm. And I got to. You know what I call? You like this. I call it purple, right? <laughs> using, using the political scheme that the. Because everybody understands where we're at politically right now. Right. And so I think red, blue, right. and I think purple, which is. Wow. You know, I think a lot of people who struggle with the current state of extreme, I'm going to use extreme republicanism and extreme democraticism, right? It's extremes. It's Correct. not the, you Correct. know. Correct. What they struggle with is like, Republicans are mean, like you're demonizing people. And I'm with it. I'm like, fuck, man, there's just no reason ever to not be nice and compassionate to another human. On the flip side, canceling people for no good reason. Right. You know, eliminating merit, not believing in like, just the truth of human nature, <laughs> shaming, yeah. you know? And so like we've gotten to this place, unfortunately, where, and so for me, I just live my life in the kind of the purple, meaning like, look, you keep scoring life. Like I feel like so many people are unhappy because they've been overcoddled, not the reverse. Mm. 
Mm. Right? I think people are confused. When I read the thousand DMs I get a week from 20 year olds, they're coming from the coasts. Wow. Yeah, they're coming from not from you and me. They're coming from my parents raised me like a zoo animal. I had money. They took care of everything. They pay for everything. And I feel like a piece of shit because I don't Mm. think I can do anything because mommy and daddy told me that I can't do anything. Parents think they're doing the right thing by taking care of their kids. And you know this. You've gone through the same journey I have. Us growing up with less, then we have a lot. I'm sure you've struggled with what does that mean? Oh, no doubt. Yeah, it's hard. No, no question. You know, like to me, I never think my kids can out grind me. It's right. inconceivable. It's not their environment. Right. It's not fair. You can't fake environment. I have rich friends that send their kids to Africa to build a school for a week and they think they're going to learn. Right. You know, like, I'm like, what are you doing there? I'm like, when they get back, you're taking a private flight to Aspen. <laughs> like, like, you can't fake environment, right? <laughs> right? You like that That's one, so right? It's true. It's true. And I love it. I mean, the parents are trying to do the right thing. Of course. But I tell them all the time, there's only one answer, which is cut them off financially. Yeah. Kids learn how to eat when they learn how to hunt. You can't be hungry if you're fed. Wow. Dude, I so appreciate this conversation. <laughs> it's amazing. And I want to continue this offline with you at some point. Okay, please. Let's do that. I want to, I just got to hang out with you, man. Where do you live? I live in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, amazing. I'm actually there more often. So we'll be able to properly chop because obviously, yeah. you know, we'll get together afterwards. So I'll give you my contact. We'll, we'll do that. Keep please going. Please do. I think you said a powerful word, enigma. Yeah. And I live my life that way, man. I, I think differently. I don't think like the left or the right. I want to not change culture, but create a culture mm. and enigmas do that. Right. And so yeah. let me ask you a question within that, that thought, is there a line between optimism and delusional? Yes, there sure is. And it's my favorite one. I call my framework practical optimism and nothing is more opposite to delusion than practicality. Mm-hmm. Now I like subtleties within this combo. Like I think it's awesome to like have almost like delusional confidence because you end up in places that people couldn't understand. Mm. But I use the word optimism there instead of like, I think optimism is just like, you actually believe always that it can. Right. But I think the delusional optimism part that scares me is when, I'll give you a great one, using you as a reference. When my son's like, you know, he's 10 now, when he's eight and he's like, I'm going to the NBA. I'm like, my man, listen, I'm not a dream killer. Right. I just went practical optimism. I I said to my son, I said, listen, First, God bless Steph Curry that he thinks what he's doing is making you believe you can. Mm. Two, like Steph Curry, and by the way, Steph Curry's going to end up being a lot taller than you. You're going to have to figure out how to shoot 40% from half court Mm. if you're going to be in the NBA. Because I said, Zan, you're going to be 5'9", 5'10", if everything goes well. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have to really realize what that means. Because this is the exact combo I said. I said, you're very young. The way the NBA is going, by the time you could be there in 10, 12, 14 years, you're going to have six, eight point guards. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to have to find range. And of course, you can work on your handle. And I don't want to even get you down athleticism, which I don't think I'm going to pass on to you. Like You're going to have to really get crazy at shooting. And it's crazy how it's manifesting because I don't think it's in the cards for him. But all of a sudden... When you keep it practical and yeah. you don't just say, yes, yeah, son, you can do it. Anything you dream, you can do. When you give them a plan and say, look, you're going to have to go gangster from half court. <laughs> Forget about what Trey Young and Steph are doing. You're going to have to take it back another step or two. 
and really go 40% from there. Can you do that? All of a sudden, you keep the optimism there, but now you've got a kid, like my little guy is tiny, and he's draining real threes because he realized what the practical way to get there. And I actually think the practical way helps kids actually get a chance to live out that dream versus the laziness of parenting that just says, you can do anything you put your mind to. It's just not true when you talk about physical things like sports. Wow. I totally agree. A lot of kids tell me, because now that entrepreneurship is cool and it's fame and I blew up on TikTok, I have kids coming up to me 11, 12, 9, 10 every day, airport, supermarket, every day. And they're like, I'm going to be like you. And I'm like, are you doing business now? And they're like, no. I'm like, you're going to have a tough time. I'm like, Mm. if you're going to be like me, I've been putting in reps since I was six years old. Mm -hmm. Half my summer was either sports and the other half was selling. Mm. And I'm talking since first grade. So if you're going to be like me, not you're going to be like me as a happy person, which is what I really want you to be like. But if you're going to be like me as a gangster entrepreneur, the way you just said it, you better start getting reps because you're 15 and you have never done a thing yet. Wow. And if you watch these kids when they hear that, they're not disappointed. They're pumped mm. because they're getting, they're in the era, of course, not every parent, for all the parents listening, I know a lot of you bring it old school, but for the parents that are like, I know why I do it too. I'm not a hundred percent on this thesis. You love your kids so much. It's hard, but kids know that you're bullshitting them. That's right. My son, I'll give you a good one. Let me be more authentic. My little brother, AJ, 11 years younger, the reason he's a better basketball player than me, he didn't score on me until he was 11 and he didn't beat me until he was 17. Mm. Mm. My son scores and beats me in our little fake games all the time because we're indoor a lot of times. He was really little when he picked it up. I'm like a grown ass man, not an older brother. And like, I kind of, you know, played it a little bit here and there, not really for his self-esteem. It was almost just out of like indifference, right? All of a sudden, a little while ago, very recently, he told me to stop letting him and I wasn't even sure that he knew. They always know. They do. He very quickly went back to start letting me because 18 games in a row of 11-0 <laughs> got him recorrected real quick. <laughs> but, but it's really interesting. And, it's, and by the way, because I know we're going to run out of time and maybe we'll do a part two because I'm also feeling it. Let's become friends. Yes. <laughs> This bleeds into business. I know a lot of people here will listen for different places. Some aren't parents yet. For all the youngsters that haven't had that journey yet or have chosen not to go down the journey of parenting, everything we just talked about plays huge with employees. Mm. Huge. You're absolutely you know, right. I've really picked up my kind candor game. I've always hated conflict. I love positivity. Where I had shortcomings in my 20s, 30s, and even into my early 40s was I actually struggled. I'm very candorous on this podcast. I'm very candorous on stage. I'm very candorous in my content, but I'm really just talking to the world, right? Michael, right now I'm talking with you to the world. Right. But when I'm sitting in front of Johnny Thompson, my employee, and I know his family and I know his dad currently has cancer and I know that, you know, he's had a tough time and he finally got the Vayner and it's going well, but he's struggling. It was hard for me to tell him he was struggling because I was too much of a human, not enough of a boss. I'm proud of that. Yeah. I actually love that. But what I learned 25 years into my career is what ends up happening is eventually I have resentment. I eventually have to fire that person because people around them get fucked up if you're carrying somebody that's bad. Yep. And then when I would let them go, they'd be mad at me because I never really was giving them feedback along the way and they would be surprised, right? Wow. So a lot of what I'm talking about right now about candor and that purple and like finding that medium place, that right balance 
It plays in every aspect of the world. It's the reason my content works. It's why Gary Vee crushes. Gary Vee is loving but candorous in his content and that's why it works for me. And I talk about shit I know. The thing I'm most proud of of my content career is, and you probably sense this now that I have a sense that you've consumed some of it, I talk about shit I know. Yeah. For a lot of people out there, you don't have to be an expert, like per se. I don't know if I'm an expert, but I speak from experience. You just have to be, you can be an enthusiast. I could do a great podcast on the Jets or the Knicks, but I'm not as much of an expert as I am in other categories or a lot of other people that make content, but I can be an enthusiast. And I'm trying to push that to a lot of people. Lean into being an enthusiast. Now all of a sudden you don't have to be right. You can lean on like your enthusiasm, your personal opinions, and that might help you make more content in a world where that's the requirement to get there. I got two questions real quick and then we'll wrap up because I know we're pressed for time, but I'm drawn to your passion for people. And you're at a phase in your life right now where you're not only climbing ladders, but you're probably building them for people. What is success to you at this stage in your life? Success at this exact second is how many people show up professionally, obviously family-wise, just like best family environment I can have. That to me is one, two, three, seven, nine, fifteen. But if we're talking professionally, outwardly, by far I have a very easy answer for that. I am genuinely curious how many people I can compel to come to my funeral. Hmm. Success for me wow. will be predicated on something that I won't see. Wow. Interesting, right? I totally, totally believe that. Like Go ahead. Keep going. That was so good. Well, it's funny. It makes me want to ask you a question the way you just reacted. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Did you love the process of becoming a better shooter? I did. I know it. I I just heard it. I heard it in your voice. I'll tell you why. (laughs) I always wondered if I had the physical prowess that you had. Why I know I would have been great is one, I'm unhealthy competitive. And if you look at the people that get crazy places, they can't even help it. It's like, it's just, you can't help it. It's just so in your ethos, like nothing else matters. Not the money, not the fame, not the accolades or the all NBA this or the MVP that. It's just, you just don't want to lose. Like you couldn't imagine, Michael, how much it kills me to lose in anything. When we get together, man, like part of therapy has been great for me because it's tempered that. Like, I get it. I was upset. But it was funny the way you answered because I think I dropped something on you that makes a lot of sense to you. Something that when I started caring about that, I'm like, that's weird. When I would say it for the first time 10, 15 years ago, people were like, what is that? That's weird. And then somewhere along the line, I'm like, ah, I'm (laughs) so about the process. This is the ultimate process. I want to leave a positive legacy and do as much good as possible. And the way that will be counted is actually the day after I'm gone. That's right. With that in mind, if you had anything to share with your 16-year-old self going back in time, what advice would you give yourself? That you've got almost everything figured out, but this concept of nice at all costs, when it's not allowing you to communicate disappointment in others, it's going to lead to resentment that's going to lead to the shortcomings of your personal and professional life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's really fun for me to be able to deliver that because I think I just helped somebody on the other side of this podcast. And it took me a long time. I don't think that would have been the answer five years ago, but I'm there now and it's very clear and I work on it every day. Kind candor. And notice how I put the word kind in front of candor because people use candor as a way to be not nice has really liberated me to be the newest, best version of myself. The one and only Gary V. Thank you so much, man. This has been so rich. I know it's helped so many people who are listening to this podcast. You've helped me and hopefully we can continue our dialogue and relationship beyond the podcast, man. 
Unbelievable, will, my bro. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. I want to reiterate what Gary said towards the end of this episode. You've got almost everything figured out, but this concept of nice at all costs, but it's not allowing you to communicate disappointment in others, is going to lead to resentment that's going to lead to the shortcomings of your personal and professional life. That was just so powerful, and I hope you can carry that with you and let it infiltrate into every part of your life. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Gary. You can follow Gary V on Instagram at Gary V. Thank you for listening. And until next time, I'm Michael Red. And remember, betting on yourself is the secret to your success. Okay.